Hello and welcome to episode 298 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going all right, Andrew. But I'm, and I'm doing way, way better than the people we're about to talk to about on this podcast. Yeah, I've, you know, it's Sunday night, so it's basically... Our, our weekly let's uh, bitch and moan about the West Tigers episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's, um, you know, it's only something you could have really done over the last 20 years, 21 years. Are they 21 yeah. years old now? Oh, it feels like 300. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every year feels like a decade. <laughs> um, I, I figured I'm going to change it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Everyone's heard me bitch and moan about the Tigers. I, I don't want to go and repeat myself too much more anymore on this, so I figured, you know what? Any dickhead can go out there and bitch and moan about something. Yes. I want to be productive. Okay. So I, I want to come up with a few ideas to help help fix the club. Okay, so what are your ideas? Tell me them. First of all, I'm not sacking the coach. Yeah, it's not his fault. No, he's inherited a... Complete basket case of a salary cap, a roster that's atrocious, and he's just had to sit there with this, you know, absolute dumpster fire and wait for all the contracts to come to an end because obviously no other club wants these players. That's why they're at the Tigers. Yeah. That's why they can't offload them. So he's finally got to the point now where at the end of this year, the majority of those players who are taking up huge amounts of salary cap space are off contract, which means he's getting himself prepped to go, right, I can start finally turning this club around and getting what I want here, get the players I want here and start building the squad that I want. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's been, been working towards that steadily in the last few years where he can, but he has been held back quite a bit by this, uh, by this cap mess. Yeah, uh, there's only so much he could do. Like, if you look at his time at the club and you look at some of the plays he's been able to actually buy in, there's not too many that you could look at and say, it'd be good to keep that guy. Yeah, and he's... Well, let's be honest. He's taken a punt on a few players who have been shit. That's mm-hmm. Joey Lolua and James Roberts. Yes. Now, Lolua's um, issues are well known. That is... He's got a um, a tendency to have a brain snap every five, six minutes. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he's playing alongside his brother means that he's not focused on playing football. He's focused on protecting his little brother, even though his yeah. little brother is a huge fucking beast and can destroy anyone if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lolua has not had a single good game for the Tigers. He hasn't even touched his average form at the Raiders yet. No, no. I think there's been one game where, in this whole time at the Tigers, I think there was one game where you were like, oh, is this it starting? And that was it. Yeah. Um, So he's atrocious. Um, James Roberts. The only good thing about the signing of James Roberts is that we didn't pay a million dollars a year for him like we probably would have if he had been at his peak. Yeah. But his defense has been atrocious and it has got worse. So, yeah, and, you know, I can't even blame James Roberts because uh, the the circumstances they got him under, like, that's what do you expect kind of thing. 
Yeah, this is the thing, though. Is they have signed him, and they've treated him like a marquee player because they keep putting him in the run-on side in the 13. So, essentially, you've got to pull your weight. Um, all this year, he's been out of position. His defensive roots have been abysmal, and he has no idea how to make first contact in a tackle. He'd run up. He's grabby. Mm-hmm. And he gets pushed off by anyone and everyone on a regular basis. And today, he was running up into no man's land, which is the space between two attackers, and just watching the play unfold beside him and then past him. And I thought, why why are we persevering with this, this bloke at centre? He can't defend. He needs the assistance of a sideline on one side, so he doesn't have to worry about what's going on outside him. The sideline's over there. Players aren't going to run there. He just needs some, you know, if he's got the sideline on one side, knowing players aren't going to go there, then all he's got to do is force players back infield to where all his other defenders are. Yeah. And that's how you protect the player who's a shit defender like he is. But for some reason, we don't put him on the wing. We keep putting him at centre. He's just woeful. And so, you know what? I'm willing to say right now, that experience, that that whole experiment needs to end. I'm done with it. Yeah. And I think the club needs to stop. They need to stop having this rose-coloured glasses thing that they, they do all the time with players and just go, you know what? We need to start being pricks. If we want to be successful, we need to start being pricks. Okay, so if you haven't been performing, then fuck off. Mm-hmm. Whether it's our fault, your fault, whatever, it's obviously not working. So, bye. Simple as that. That's what they've got to do. There's a lot of talent which is coming off contract at the moment, and the biggest one, which no one's talking about, is Nico Hines at Storm. Mm-hmm. He's sitting behind um, Ryan Pappenhausen for a gig at fullback. He's sitting behind Cameron Munster for a gig at five eighth. This kid is an absolute gun. The Tigers could pick him up and he would walk into any spot in that back line that he wanted to and they could get him without having to spend a million dollars on him. And he's a match winner. That guy just knows how to play football. You put you just put him in the back line, he's fine. You yeah. know, he's filled in on the wing, he's filled in at centre, he's filled in at fullback like he did tonight for the storm and had an absolute blinder. He can play in the halves at a stretch if need to be. You know? Get him, put him at fullback. That's what I reckon. And then you get yeah. Dane Laurie, put him at 5'8". Yeah, Go and buy I, Adam Reynolds. Well, that that's the thing that I don't understand is that, like, that seems like a really straightforward plan, a really great plan to start with, you know. But the West Tigers, when they put a team together, it's not via a plan. It is just chucked together. Like, I was thinking... How many big-name players have they signed in the last 10 years? And it's very, very few. Like, and I'm talking about... I'm not even talking about top-of-their-game players. I'm talking about, like, James Tamo was about as good as I could think of. That they're, they, you know, a, a top-of-the-line player at some point. Um, and they signed him at the right time of the year, which is mid-year. But everyone else they team they tend to get like after the player market has finished sorting itself out and it's like the dregs that are left over or plays that are left 
behind because clubs don't want them anymore. Like that's the vast majority of when their recruitment starts and that's not having a plan. Yeah, that's all right. So I've gone through and I think that the following players need to, we need to get rid of them Mm -hmm. at the end of this year to free up a ton of money so that we can buy another group of players. I think we should be looking at. So Luke Brooks, um, he's reporting on yeah somewhere between seven hundred thousand and a million. I, I put him down for eight hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Lolua, I'm sure he's just over half a million. Moses and Buys on almost a million. Russell Packers on seven hundred k or something like that. Billy Walters, I don't think he's on much, but he's barely played. Mm-hmm. And James Roberts, who I'm going to assume he's on about three or four hundred thousand a year. Mm-hmm. So that would come to about $3.5 million that yep. we've got in the cap tied up in those players who are not winning us games, and yet they're taking up that much of our cap space. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be going out and looking to buy Xavier Coates, uh, Nico Hines, Semi Valemi, the uh, winger at the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He's, he's tall. He's got a bit of speed about him, good leap on him, good target for a kicker. Um, Adam Reynolds, Brody Jones uh, from the Knights, Jackson Hastings, I've got no say over that because I've already bought him. Yep. Um, Lachlan Fitzgibbon from the Knights as well. I, I like, uh, he's a very good defender. Yeah, he's, he's a, a solid tradesman. player. I like him as well. And uh, Bunty Afoa and Jazz Devanga from the Warriors. Um, de- decent defenders and they, they do some, some good runs in the middle as well. Very strong humans. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, hang on to Dane Laurie, David Nofaluma, Adam Dewey, uh, Tamo, Jake Simpkin, Stefano Utukamanu, uh, Luciano Lolua, Alex Twole. They'd be the Tigers players who I'd hang on to that would be able to keep their spot in the side if we had some of these new signings around them. Yep. And everybody else who keeps getting into the 17 would be sitting as... Depth players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Musgrove, Sean Bloor, I actually don't mind him. I reckon he'd probably be on the bench, uh, along with Offhand Gowie. Then you've got Jacob Little, McKayley, Alex Safar, Tommy Talao, Jock Madden is the young halfback, um, Zach Cheney is a young centre, Luke Garner, Tom Amoni, Tuki Simpkins is a big unit, and Michael Cheekham. There's, there's your 30-man squad, and there's a lot more depth in that. And you're not paying overly through the nose for it. You've got depth across the park. And you've got a much more competitive team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And look, it it would all obviously revolve around getting Adam Reynolds. Um, They'd have to pay a million bucks for him. But I think he's worth it. And I think physically he doesn't look like a player that's about to break down at any point. Um. And the thing about getting Reynolds is if you get a Reynolds, Laurie's there straight away. Like, we know that Laurie is going to be able to step into that 5-8th role and be very, very good at it. Um, I, I like it. I actually like it. I think that there's really the big target being Reynolds, and then after that, you're not really overstretching for any of the other players that you, you looked at. That's right. And there would be players you can sign for three years. You're not going to be spend, spending a ton of money on them, mm-hmm. and you're going to be getting um, 
you know, every year they're going to get better because they're still quite young. Mm. You're not getting them at the, at the end of their careers or anything like that. Now, in order to get those purchases, we need to sack the idiot that's uh, running the club, mm-hmm. Pasco, whoever the morons are that do recruitment, yeah, the idiots who do retention, the 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 wage thieves who are sitting there doing junior recruitment mm-hmm. and pathways and stuff like that because they've done fucking nothing. Yeah. Okay. We need to get rid of all of those and get people in those roles who know how to run a rugby league team successfully. And once we've got all that set up, we then say, okay, Madge, you've got this squad. We'll give you one year to let them all gel and get everything sorted out the way you want it. And then second year, that's where we want to see some absolute results on the field. We need to be in the finals. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. And if you don't get us to the finals in the second year, if we give you that roster and all that coaching set up behind you, if you don't get the finals in the second year, we will get a new coach. Do you think it's possible to do that over the course of the next... And that would have to all happen over the course of the next eight months. Do you reckon that you can honestly do that at a club? Look, like I think if you've got the, if you've got the backing to do it and you've got somebody that's in charge of making all of those moves, I think you can do it. And I think we saw that at the Panthers when Phil Gould went in there as the general manager and they said, this club is broken, fix it. And he did. He made all of those changes. Um, But do you think that you've got the ability to do that at the West Tigers when there's really nobody in charge who has that power to do that? Because the thing is, like, it can't be it can't be the CEO because the CEO is terrible, and you've just got to go by results. The results are abysmal by any measure you want to go by. So it can't be him. So it's got to be somebody above him that does all of this and that has the backing, complete backing of the board. Do you reckon you can do that at the West Tigers? This is the problem: is there's no precedent, no club has been so dismal results-wise, roster management-wise, and management-wise, I'm talking about off the field here, I'm not talking about coaching. Mm. No team has been so abysmal for so long as this West Tigers has in the modern game. So there's no way of knowing if there's if it's possible to make these changes or not because there's too much, too many incompetent people involved in the the most important parts of running the club. Mm. And this is this is highlighted ever so perfectly when you just look at the Tigers' results over the last, you know, nine years. Mm-hmm. They're the only team over the last nine years not to make the finals. Hell, they're the only team since 2016 that hasn't been in the finals. Every other team has made the finals since 2016, even the Titans, even the Warriors. You know? Yeah. That's, I mean, even the Knights, cast your mind back to 2014, 15, 16, that Knights side was dire. They almost went through a season without winning a game, and yet they're back in the finals. Yeah, statistically one of the worst teams ever. Yeah. And yet they've managed to, and it's not like you look at the Knights and you say, wow, there was some sort of revolution where they had a once-in-a-lifetime influx of junior players come through or anything. They've literally just 
steadily built their team. Yep. Um, you and know, a rookie co- and a rookie coach. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy to me when you think of it that way. That like the la- since the last time the the Tigers made the finals, we've seen like teams be good and then absolutely terrible and good again. Yeah. Within that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Every other team is able to turn around their misery and get back into the finals. Mm-hmm. And sure, the misery might come back. They might have another few seasons and they've got to rebuild and stuff like that, like the Bulldogs are doing now. But I am more confident that the Bulldogs will be back in the finals again before the West Tigers are. Yeah, I am too. I am and, too. And the Bulldogs at the moment, uh, they're rough to watch. Yeah. I don't think they've got the right coach. I don't think their roster is at all set. But I've got more faith in them making the finals for the Tigers next. I've got more faith in the Bulldogs will luck into a couple of players that will push them into the finals. Yeah, I mean, even though they've been in the wilderness for several years and their attack has been dire and they've had all this drama off the field, they still managed to change their board and a lot of people who are you know, running the club poorly and then attract current you know, top-line players. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got Josh Adokar next year. They've got Matt Burton. He's, he's not even close to realising his potential yet. They're going to no. get him before he hits his peak, and yeah. he's just going to keep betting, getting better. They've got um, uh, Nick Kotrick. Uh, you know, that f- fullback from South, young fellow. They, they've got a lot of great young players there, so they're building forwards. Yeah. The Tigers aren't. No. And, like... I, I think one of the best ways to think about how long the Tigers have been bad, they were not making the finals when Matthew Elliott was coaching the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And like one year with Matthew Elliott, we come second by on the ladder by some miracle. And they managed to go from getting Matthew Elliott at the Panthers, having this one-off year where they come second, then tanking, then having this complete, like clean out of the club from top to bottom and Ivan Cleary, like Ivan Cleary was a Panthers coach and then sacked and went back to the Panthers in the whole time. The fucking West Tigers didn't even make the finals still. Yeah. And this is the thing we've, we've tried every different type of coach. You can, we had Tim Sheens Mm -hmm. and he wasn't good enough, even though the club was plateauing for years under him. They were plateauing and finishing ninth all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not good enough. But that is so much better than what we're dealing with now. Yeah. You know, we had Mick Potter, an experienced coach. He's still involved in coaching as an assistant coach. And he did a pretty decent job with with absolutely nothing when he was over in England. What was it with Bradford? Uh, Mick Potter, was it? I think I feel like it was St. Helens he ended up at. Oh, yeah. But I mean, before that, when he was he was coaching for free. Oh, I can't remember who it I was think, with. I think it might have been Bradford when Bradford had that period where they fell out of Super League and they just kept mm-hmm. getting going into administration. I think he took over them then, mm-hmm. and he kept them afloat, and he got them out of God. It might have been League One and back into Championship. Um, I'm not sure. I have to check that. But he was someone who obviously had experience, and the club was doing reasonably well they had a horrible roster and he was starting to bring some juniors through yeah and then 
that wasn't working quickly enough. So then Jason Taylor comes in and just the most unimaginative coach you'll ever see. He came in with this big talk about improving the Tigers' defence. Obviously, it got worse under him. And that's not entirely his fault because it got worse with every other coach we've had as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just unimaginative. And then he was eventually just used as a pawn to try and get rid of Robbie Farah, which they managed to do only to bring him back to make the whole fucking period a waste of time. Yeah. All oh, and the by the way, we went through was a waste yeah. of time. And they paid for him to play at the uh, Sassini Rabbitohs. Yes, while and also just... paying big money for Matt Ballon to sit on the sideline and not even play 80 minutes for the club in three years. Yeah, I think, didn't he play something ridiculous, like four minutes? All no, up? It, was, it was about 50 minutes all up. Oh, there you go. Yeah, ridiculous. So then they sacked him three weeks into 2017, I think it was. Brought in Ivan Cleary. And then they gave Ivan Cleary the green light to sign whoever he wanted. They had all this cap space free to sign whoever he wanted. He made all these signings for three and four years, obviously planning for the fact that he'd be coaching them. Only for, you know, him wanting to coach his son, fair enough, and him deciding to leave. I mean, and people, a lot of West Tigers fans still have, you know, the salty shits that Ivan Cleary over this. But the club should have been asking these questions at the fucking get-go. They knew Nathan Cleary was going to be playing in the NRL. Mm-hmm. They knew that he was Ivan Cleary's son. They should have just said, would you like to coach your son? Yes, no. Well, at the moment, he's not with our club. Do you think you'll come to the West Tigers? Yes, no. There's your answers. If if you're not going to get a yes on all of those, and if he's, if you know that you're not going to get Nathan Cleary to the Tigers, don't sign his fucking father to coach your club if you know he wants to coach his son. Yeah. Look, nature just suggests he's going to go and coach his son. He doesn't care what team his son's at. He's going to go coach him, and he'll get a gig there if he can. That's is what that, happened. Is that the big what if of the West Tigers? No. In the last, like, I, look, I know there's a lot of stuff you could look at and say, man, if they didn't sign this guy, if they didn't sign this guy. If the Tigers at that period had said the the Panthers have this young halfback and it's it, it's very hard to know at that time that he's going to turn into the halfback he is today. I think that nobody knew that except Phil Gould just asked him. Um, but do you think that at that time the West Tigers had a window where they could have brought in Nathan Cleary and no. kept Ivan Cleary? No. I got that feeling too. I feel like Nathan was never ever going to leave the Panthers. No, I'll tell you why. And it's not it's not just because, you know, he loves Panthers. It's, it's for me it's got nothing to do with it. It's the fact that most of the guys he'd spent playing footy with since he was about 15 or 16 years old were all there at Penrith all coming through at the same time. Mm. And that's the yeah, it's an issue Luke Brooks had because a lot of the blokes he played a lot of junior football with were part of the, in quotation marks, big four, they all left. Yeah. And so he was left without his support players who he could always rely upon to, you know, do little plays with. They weren't around anymore. So Luke Brooks has just hung out to dry. That's where he is right now. Cleary was smart enough to know that he looks good when he's got these guys who he's played with. He knows how, he knows their game, he knows how they function. That, by playing with them all the time, he makes them look good, they make him look good, and that's where success comes from. 
they were always going to stay together. And the only way he was going to change clubs is if all of those blokes who he, he had combinations with were all going to change with him to the same mm-hmm. club. Mm-hmm. Too many moving parts. It was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So Togish never signed. But I, I would say that the, the big what if comes back to the end of 2011. And there was talk in that period of the 2011-2012 off-season, pre-season period there were suggestions that Tim Sheens had done a handshake deal with the, the club's board and said, if we don't make the finals in 2012, I will step down as coach. And it was a handshake agreement. Because And then the West Tigers started, I don't know if you remember, the West Tigers started 2012, and they were the favourites to win the premiership that year. They'd mm-hmm. been in the finals the two years before it, and they had improved in, in 2011. So they were the favourites to take the title out that year. And they finished ninth or tenth, and Sheen's refused to step down. So the club said, "You know, we don't want to look weak." So they decided to sack him. That there was the problem because they had no one in place to take over as coach from him. Because they sacked him, they're like, "Oh shit, now we need a coach." Mm-hmm. And while they're still paying out his contract, and they end up having to pay a shit ton of money for a few years for it, they went, "Oh, we can't go and get the coach we want. We have to get one we can afford." And I dare say that's the reason why they looked at Mick Potter because they heard that he was coaching for free. Oh, we can afford that. <laughs> the last time the West Tigers, you know, the West Tigers, Balmain or West, went and got coaches who worked for free was Alan Jones at Balmain. <laughs> that went well. And, and they always feel like the club is making do. Like, well, it has done since then. Like, Tim yeah. Sheens was, he was fine, but... We needed to go up from him, not down. Mm-hmm. And all we've done since him was go down. We had a period where we plateaued a little bit under Cleary. So when Cleary first come along, the team had a few shitty losses. But after that, we kind of plateaued a bit. And we plateaued a bit under Maguire and started to improve a little mm-hmm. up until about the midway through last year. And then... The form has just fallen off a cliff. It's the drop in form, and it's all based on their crap defence, mm-hmm. is almost identical in severity to that of the Broncos in the same period. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, at this point, the Tigers are... Like, it's, a, it's not a great club that looks like it is on the verge of slipping into that Bulldogs territory of just going to be no hopers for years and years to come. And that's the weird thing about when I look at them at the moment. Like, this is the first time I've ever felt like I look at a club and I say, the coach is good, but he can't fix this. Like, this is is a, there's a thousand moving parts that need fixed on this, this team and this club in general. And the coach is a premiership winner. I think that, if he goes to most clubs, they're better for it. But I just don't think that any coach can fix this. I don't think you could sign Craig Bellamy and he could fix this. Nope. Well, you know, the Tigers had an opportunity to sign Craig Bellamy and they turned him down. So, you know, that yeah. shows where they're at. Yeah. The other um, thing for me, too, that stands out with the West Tigers is it, it's very rare that you get a blue chipper come through your your junior development pathways and have a player that 
just wants to be at your club, never wants to leave. They want to play their career there. The West Tigers had two of them come through at the same time, one of whom is was not just a blue chipper. One of them was an all-time great in Benji Marshall, the other blue chipper being Robbie Farrar. These two players that never, ever, ever wanted to play for another club, just wanted to be there, would take unders and did so to stay at the club. And they managed to ruin the relationship with both players, even up until now where it like whoever made the decision in the last off season that the Tigers should get rid of Benji Marshall, they should be fired. I don't care who it is. They should just be fired because I'm watching him play for the Rabbitohs off the bench and he is winning games. Like, he is unstoppably winning games for them off the bench. And you look at him and you think, man, he could fix so many teams. But you know the team that could really use him is the West Tigers. And whoever made that decision is incapable of making rugby league decisions and personnel decisions. Yes, I I do agree in, in large with most of that. I don't mind... Benji being moved on because I do say you know I do agree that he would make the Tigers better, but I don't think you'd make them better in a way that they'd be competitive enough to be pushing for a finals berth thing like that. No. And I think I think what ha- had to happen is the club had to move on from him um, because what we saw from him last year when he was there, like while he still played brilliantly last year, there was still this attitude of when when in doubt, give it to Benji. Yeah. And it meant that Brooks was just coasting again. And we've created a system now whereby Brooks has not had to run the team for very much of his career. And he's getting into his mid to, you know, mid twenties now. Mm -hmm. And he's now having to learn how to run the team on his own. It's too late. Yeah, it's done. He is what he is now. Yeah. He was always the support act. And so he's become the support act. You know, he's the support act behind Mitch Moses, and now he's a support act behind uh, Benji Marshall. And now he's supposedly got the leading role. And we saw it the other week when they played South. Adam Dewey was controlling most of the attack, and he's the 5'8". And he's it's, a makeshift 5'8". Yeah, and he's got more ideas to how to how to run the side around the park than what Brooks, what Brooks does. So the, club's, the club made the hard decision to get rid of Marshall. They're going to do the same with Brooks. Simple as that. It has shown they do not have the ability to bring in players at the right time, at the right point of their career. Like, I mean, they they absolutely lucked into Dane Laurie, you know. Um, I, I worry, and, and they need to move on from Brooks. There's zero doubt about that. Does the club have the ability to look at the player market and say, we are getting this player to replace Brooks? And I have zero faith that they do. Like, I could see a situation where somebody at the club sits down and says, you know what we should do? We should get a replacement for Brooks, who's younger. Let's let's get Jake Clifford. You know, along those lines, rather than the players that they really should be targeting. They'll just wait until... There's scraps left over that no one wants, and then they'll make bids on those. And yeah. we'll be back here doing this all over again. Yeah. It's yeah. because they don't know how to run a club. Yeah, and, and that's where I tweeted it out today. 
Justin Pascoe has to resign. It, I don't know what it takes for a CEO of a rugby league club to, number one, not get sacked, but number two, look at what you're doing and say, I can't do this anymore to this team. It's somebody else's job from this point on. I can't believe that the board has allowed this to go on as long as they can. Their board should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, they've um, all got cushy jobs, so they don't care. Yeah, That's they the don't care. And, you know, it's, it reminds me a little bit of the St. George Illawarra situation where the board was just untouchable because of it being a joint venture. And, that you know, you've got these nameless, faceless people. And then you had Peter Douse, who was the CEO, that was in charge of the club. And they just left it to him to be the face of the club and didn't put his job under pressure. You know, it wasn't until the the Dragons were taken over by a private owner that things started changing for that club. Maybe that's the way for the West Tigers. And look, you could buy the West Tigers for cheap. You know, <laughs> it'd be great. But, uh, it, you know, there's all of these natural resources that they've got to use, like an embarrassment of riches. It, it's very much like the Panthers used to be where big junior base, you've got the the growing area of Sydney. No area is going to grow bigger than the area that the West Tigers control. And yet they're just a a rabble of a club and it can't be allowed to continue. And look, we even had at one point the the NRL stepped in and took over running the club for a while. And even the NRL's influence couldn't get the West Tigers going in the right direction. So like what needs to change? And the only thing I can think changing it is somebody buys the club and that's a huge change. But you know, that's the only way I can see a, the real change needing to be made because Nobody there has the incentive. They can all have their jobs for as, as long as they want, except for the coach, and no one's going to put them under pressure. Because if that was the case, they'd have a new CEO. They would have years ago. Well, they never would have signed that, that turnip from Penrith anyway. I mean, he wasn't even a CEO yeah. there from memory. So, you know, I don't know why they could... I mean, before him, they had that Grant Meyer clown. Uh, he was a he was a joke. That's what they do. Yeah. They're, they're just utterly hopeless. I mean, there was a period there they were talking to Barry O'Farrell for running the club. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's... they got to stop this bullshit and actually just get someone who knows how to run a football... Or not even a football team, a sports team and make it successful. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. You just set up coaches. You know, they what they need to do is go get Dave Smith... And say, so, you know what, put some structures in place so we're doing things the right way. It only take him a year. And then get some proper people in there running the club. Yeah, someone, I saw someone online saying that, oh, it'd be, the club will get better once they get a centre of excellence. I'm like, oh, bullshit. Manly haven't got a centre of excellence. They might even grand finals in the 2000s. Yeah, it's like the centre of excellence thing is just a nice thing to have. It helps, but it's not going to help a team that's as shit as the West Tigers become a finalist. It's just going to help yeah. them be a little bit more competitive and concede 25 points in the game instead of 40, you know. And that's the crazy that thing. Like, that's another thing about this Tigers team. They should be moving towards the Campbelltown area more. But that centre of excellence is going to be in Concord. And this, this is the it, problem, though. There's, there's this fear that if you go one way... 
what you know, there's this fear I think within the club that if we go too much towards Campbelltown, mm. then the Balmain side will get the shits, or if we go too much towards Balmain, all the West side will get the shits, and that attitude just needs to completely die in the ass and just go. You know what? We are our own team. If Balmain and West fans, you know, if they still exist, want to keep bitching and moaning about that, fuck off. Yeah. You know, we are the West Tigers. We've been around for 21 fucking years. We are our own team. And so what we're going to do is we're going to base ourselves at Campbelltown. We're going to train out there. We're going to have our centre of excellence out there. We're going to have our own stadium out there. We're not playing home games at Bankwest. We're not going to be playing at Stadium Australia. We're going to play home games at Campbelltown. We might take one, maybe two games a year to Leichhardt just for novelty. That's it. Mm-hmm. And if they started playing at least 10 games a year at Campbelltown, you can then justify getting it upgraded to a bigger, better stadium mm-hmm. because no council, state, federal, local, is going to give a shit about upgrading a stadium that only gets used three times a year. Who's who's going to pour millions of money into a stadium that's only going to get used three times a year? Yeah. That, that's a shit investment. Why upgrade that? You know, it's like asking, you know, it's asking the government to go and spend $35 million to build a new bridge over the creek down near where my mum and dad live. Yeah. Like, there'll yeah. be seven trucks will go over it in the space of a year. Like, <laughs> why? You know, it's... And they don't understand this. They sit there and bitch and moan because, um, Brookvale's getting an upgrade and this one's getting an upgrade. And that one's getting, yeah, pick a fucking home ground, stick to it, and you'll get the upgrade to you, idiots. Exactly. But, and, but like, this is... This shows all of the problems that are the Tigers. Like, it's every level of the club, and it. That's why I don't know that the idea that they're going to sack the coach, and it looks like they're they're going to. At the very least, he's on his last legs at the club. Like when they start talking about having meetings about the coach, you know, his time is done. Like how many times have their meetings been held and it goes on to be a happy rosy relationship? Um, the idea that they're going to change the coach and all these problems will go away, they're not going to. And that's why I think the whole club needs, it needs a, a takeover of some sort. And like a, a private owner would be perfect, but I don't know if the West side buys out the Balmain side. So at least you've got one voice. I don't know how you do it. Nah, but the, the way it is right now, it, it's just not working. The moment the club is basically run by West Ashfield, which is separate to the Magpies and the Balmain thing. So that, that side's fine. Mm. But the board members are basically still bickering. And that's all that'll happen. We need to start getting people who aren't affiliated with Balmain or West yeah. and are just affiliated only with making the West Tigers successful. Yeah. And they've got to be people who know how to run successful businesses and successful sporting teams. And who aren't going to use it as a platform to try and virtue signal and bullshit like that. Yeah, and people who don't need to go into the fucking media to, you know, explain shit all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Shit, Most CEOs at clubs should be people who are, you know, seen and not heard at the absolute best of times. Yeah. West Tigers guy is always being heard. And it's always. never about, it's never about, like... Well, it's, it's, always always, about, it's always about Penrith. Yeah, it's like he's pissing and moaning about other clubs. Or he's... Like, remember they were threatening a player that... I think it was Josh Adokar. They said, you either play for us or 
you're in trouble. And he was like, fuck off. And he signed for the Bulldogs. Yeah, you've got no bartering ground. Yeah. And, you know, by going around and putting demands on a player, just forcing them to go elsewhere. It's just stupid. But, that, uh, that's yeah. another thing I think that needs to be thought about is, you know, other professional rugby league players, they look at the different teams and how they handle things. And, you know, if if you're a player that goes to the Manly Seagulls, Manly Seagulls aren't a very good club at the moment. But if you go and sign for the Manly Seagulls, you know that they're going to look after you as an individual. You know, they're going to defend you. They're going to have your back. Um, you know, if you go to other clubs, like if you go to the Parramatta Eels, you're going to play at that beautiful stadium. You're going to be in a lot of big games. Um, you know, you're going to be at one of the glamour cut clubs in Sydney. There's a lot of positives to it. If you go to the West Tigers, you're not playing finals football. There's every chance that your teammates are just going to be a mishmash of players that were let go by other clubs or, hey, you you'll know, get paid well though. But that's the thing. Like <laughs> you, you're making the decision. Like I look at a James Tamo and I would love to know what he's thinking because he played for a Cowboys team that was very, very good. And then he went to a Panthers side that when he got there, it wasn't that great. And he left it and it was very, very good. And now he's playing the last contract of his career. He's playing for a club that is just abysmal. And I would love to know, like, would he give back the difference just to play at a, an all right club? Like, would he give back the difference to be a bench player at the Parramatta Eels right now or to be a bench player at the Panthers or you know, there's so many situations you could put him into. Like, I wonder if if he would still say, nah, I'd take the money. Yeah, I I think players like him, though, aren't... He's, I don't think he's driven by the money side of things. I think he generally wants to just play good footy because what we see on the field is him busting his ass all the time. And the same can't be said for a lot of the other players at the club. Yeah. And this is the thing. Like, Maguire's been saying how, you know the game ebbs and flows and stuff like this, and we need to manage that better. And I I think that's just code for there's a lot of things wrong here, mm-hmm. and I don't want to start hauling every single player across the coals because I'll be here all fucking day. Yeah, and it's like, and there's no one left. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, at the end of the year, these blokes need to know that if you're not performing, because a lot of you are off contract, you won't be getting a contract with us. And if you can't get a contract with the West Tigers, who will you get a contract with? Mm-hmm. That's what needs to be said. Well, I mean, you look at this West Tigers team right now. How many other team? How many players in this squad do you think other teams would look at and say, ooh, we would love to have him? Like, I reckon Dane Laurie is number one. I think uh, Tamo, pretty handy pickup. I think Dewey would be all right. North Luma, you know. A few, there's a few there. The problem the Tigers have got is not so much, it's not entirely the quality of the player. It's the fact that there's no cohesion, no communication, no structure. And a lot of that comes from a complete lack of skill in the halves and direction in the halves. Yeah. That's the, other the thing- problem. The- you know, and the other thing is, and this is the first time I think I've really properly seen this in a West Tigers team, this year there's a level of give up, like complete give up, which you only see from 
the very like the the Broncos last year where they they just given up, and oh, it's the, you know Tigers it's, have always had that in them. <laughs> but I, but I, I I really honestly my feeling is that this year it's a bit different, uh, and it's hard to put my finger on it. I I don't know if it's a level of give up that comes when as a playing group you don't have the answers, if. You know, you you get to a point where you've tried, you've tried, you've tried. You're not good enough, and you just don't know what else to do. And you just you, you're defeated mentally at that point. I feel like there's something a bit different in this Tigers team compared to other ones I've seen, where they just they're just purely not good. Yeah, look, there's a few players there who, despite that, are busting their backside every week. So Dane Laurie, Nofaluma, Dewey. Tamo, Simpkin, Uchikamanu, Luciano Lalua, Alex Twole. Um, so it's not, for them, it's not also, it's not entirely about their skill levels, although I think their skill levels are good enough to be in the NRL. But they are actually going out there and busting their backside. They're trying. But that's only half the team. That's the problem. Mm. And, you know... I'm sure James Roberts wants to play good football. I'm sure that all the players want to be able to go out there and say, you know, I'm in really good form and I'm, I'm playing good football. Problem is, some of them just aren't good enough. Yeah. They may have been in the past. You know, that's fine. But Roberts is, he's not even 20% of what he used to be at his best. He's not a game breaker at the moment. He's not no. threatening and... Teams are going, you know, if you're so fast, how are teams able to go past you and you're not able to reel them in when you've had a bad read? He's just, I don't think he's, for a lot of them, I don't think the head's in the game 100%. That's different. Yeah, yeah. And look, with James Roberts, I think he played his most consistent football at Penrith. And then he made that move to the Broncos. And he had a couple of good games, but that was it. And even when South signed him, I was like, what are they doing? This is a, just a problem they don't need. It's a waste of money. Ooh. And it turned out to be. And at then He should have worked fine at South because everything that was set up there was designed to help him be at his absolute best. But his, his, mind, his brain was not on football at that time, and that's why he was a disaster there. Yeah, but it's like th- this is the player that the Tigers saw – go from club to club to club and if he's got his problems that's fine but the West Tigers saw all this happening and said yeah him but it's because they don't have an alternative because they didn't plan for it no that's right there's no long term strategy just like oh this bloke's available let's put in a contract offer for him and see if he says yes yeah that's it like if they didn't get James Roberts who had just been through a stint at rehab and who quite honestly, I I think James Roberts, you know, shouldn't be playing. I think James Roberts' priority should be getting everything sorted out in his life. And I understand playing rugby league and having that salary and stuff is part of that. But I could completely understand if James Roberts' big thing every single day, the main issue is not rugby league. You know what I mean? Mm. And the thing you think about is like, what was the alternative if they hadn't have managed to pick up James Roberts the way that they did? Like they, 
it's not like they had planned it. No. it. It's just crazy to run a club like that. I mean, this recent sign of Jackson Hastings is a good example, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. How many utility players who can slot in the halves do you need at a club? Yeah. Yeah, you've got Dewey, Hastings, Laurie. Um, obviously, there's Brooks there as well. Moses and By, Billy Walters. How many more do you need? But right. I can I can see where the coach and he was obviously involved in getting Hastings. Where he's been at that club for long enough now, where they must have been saying to him, "Yeah, we can't get that guy. We can't get that guy. We can't afford that guy." And he's got a chance to finally get somebody that's at least a, a specialist half. You know, even if it's He's not a make like Jackson Hastings isn't a makeshift half. He's a specialist half. And whether he's a five eighth or a half back, you can debate that. But I can see where he's finally got a chance to get a specialist half and he and he's like, I gotta take it. Cause at, at the moment my halves are Adam Dewey and a Luke Brooks who's just might as well not be playing at the the moment the way he's playing. Adam Dewey. I think he's a he's a very handy six. I've got no problem with Adam Dewey playing there, but he needs to have a genuinely strong seven next to him. I don't think Hastings is that. And that's not a criticism of Hastings. I think Hastings is a much better 5'8 than he's a halfback. I'd probably have Hastings at 5'8 over Dewey, if, if I'm honest. But I don't see why we'd need either of them. When we've got Brooks, who's not up to standard as a seven, he's probably a six as well, to be honest. Given he can't he can't control the team, so you've got three five eights, and Moses and Bowers at his best when he's playing at five eight. So there's a fourth one, and Dane Laurie can play at six. It's just good that he can play fullback because I mean that solves one problem. Yeah. How many players do you need that are kind of the same area? I mean, they had to try and turn Billy Walters into a hooker because he's just another five eight. Why are we constantly getting the same player all the time? You can't put them all in the side. Why? This is what's irritating. So mm. go through these phases where they'll just go, oh, we need this player, and they'll just go through a phase of getting, okay, we've got five hookers at the club, or, you know, we've got five, five eights at the club, or we've got, you know. Fucking think about your roster. Yeah, Because yeah. when you've got five five eights at your club, it means you're running short on forwards or backs. And so when you get injuries to some of those players, which will inevitably happen, you got no fucking depth. Mm-hmm. And then you shit. And You know, a team that had Benji Marshall signed uh, Josh Reynolds. And that never for one day that Josh Reynolds was part of the club made any sense. No. Not, not one day. Nope. Um, yeah. You know, Josh Reynolds has come and gone, and the the problem's still there. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is what I was making earlier today, statement-wise, is we've we've changed coaches, we've changed players for almost, you know, for a good part of the last decade. And the results have not changed, they've got worse. Mm. That is a good example and a great, you know, a great justification as to how bad the people who make these decisions on who the coach should be and who the player should be. Because if they manage to get a coach and a playing squad that only make the club get worse every time, 
how can you be blaming the players and the coaches? Surely the people who hire them in the first place are the fucking idiots because they're the ones who keep making things worse Mm -hmm. with their selections. Yeah. So why aren't they stepping down or being arseholed? Why do we have to keep going through recycling coaches and players only for the results to continually get worse and worse and worse? So the only thing that's going to happen, which might, I'm not convinced either, but the only thing that might force them to do some serious thinking about how the clubs run is they win the wooden spoon because that's something that they've somehow managed to miraculously avoid and God knows they fucking deserve it. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's uh, in a season where only a few weeks ago you and me were saying there's clearly three bottom clubs and we said it was the Bulldogs, we said it was uh, the Manly Seagulls and I think we said Brisbane from memory. Yeah. Um. Now I think it it I can see positives in all of those clubs, and I I don't see the positives in the West Tigers at the moment. And oh sorry, well like I mean we saw the the Broncos a couple of weeks ago come out and really play a game against the Panthers like properly. There's no shortcuts. There was no injuries that they properly went toe to toe with the Panthers. Um, the Bulldogs, for all of their problems, just got their first win against a Sharks team that has their own problems. And Manly have come out in the last few weeks and looked fantastic. But and, and so you know, even these these lower table teams, you know, the Cowboys is another one. Todd Payton has maybe the worst squad in the NRL to work with, but he's got them trying their guts out. And they're getting at least some results out of it. And, you know, it would be crazy in a season like this where we've said there's clearly these bottom teams, even in terms of talent. If the West Tigers got the wooden spoon, it would say a lot. Yeah. Um, I just say there's two stats at the moment about the Tigers. Okay, so at the moment, they're the worst defensive team in the NRL for this year. Mm-hmm. And... They also have the worst... They've also conceded the most points out of all the NRL clubs since round 11 last year. Wow. Yeah, and it's not exactly close. They've conceded, on average, just over 32 points a game since round 11 last year. That's 546 points in 17 games. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. The Broncos are next worst. They've conceded 20 points less. Yeah, and that Broncos team was historically bad defensively. Yeah. And then Manly have conceded uh, 44 points less. Mm-hmm. The Bulldogs, seventy, almost 70 points less. And the Cowboys, nearly 100 points less. Wow. Yeah. That's how fucking atrocious their defense is. So I, I've got a question for you. Like, I, and I was chatting a little bit with Nadine on DMs early today about, you know, what it must be like to follow a club like this. You only know what it's like when you know what it's like. What's it like? What's it like to follow a club where, like, this isn't something new. Like, you look at this situation. This isn't a new situation. This is just what the Tigers have done for a fucking decade. Like, how do you get up? How do you get excited for the games? How do you get excited for the seasons? Is everything just hoping that there's a change? For me, the hope's 
the hope was gone a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get excited for the games anymore. Yeah. So that's why I can sit here and talk so honestly and openly, and I don't have any bias towards any clubs. Yeah, and rationally, it's not like you're sitting here ranting and raving about, oh, they're not putting in and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, uh, you know, you, you to get to that point where it just is what it is and you can talk about it the way you do, like. Yeah, it's it, just, it's a part of, you know, it is, it's their culture. Yeah. That's what it is. So you just accept it. And yeah. That's what's happened. And that's the problem the club has is. You know, not finishing last was good enough. Mm-hmm. Finishing ninth, that means oh, we were we were so close. Yeah, we just have to train a little bit harder. And you know, getting to eighth, that's that's the ultimate dream. You know, the ultimate dream is to yeah. get to eighth. To eighth, yeah, that's it. That's it. Right. That that's all they want is just to get to eighth, and that's that's not fucking good enough. No, but that's the mentality the club has. If we can just get to eighth, we can get that monkey off the back and say, "Yeah, we've made the finals at last." That's you, their that's their ultimate goal. That's and that's the best they want. Yeah, and like the I know from following the Panthers, like when you have those seasons where you're like, man, if we could just get a finals place, that would be, it would be nice. It'd be fun. You know, knowing that you, you, it'd take a miracle to win the title. Um, you know, getting seventh and eighth, it's fun when your team is not being good. Getting like sixth or fifth. It's like, man, that's pretty amazing. Being one of the top four teams is a absolute light year from that conversation. Like the club that, would be happy with seventh or eighth. It's a completely different universe being like we were aiming for top two. And I've only really felt that difference the last couple of years with when Penrith have been good. And it makes you realize how incredible it is for a club like Melbourne, where every year they're like, we're aiming for top three. We'd probably be a top two side. Um, But to, you know, that, that just shows how far behind that, a team like the Tigers is where like when you become a punchline with that ninth place thing and a lot of those ninth places were miracles in themselves because Benji Marshall had literally performed the miracles on a football team to get them to that ninth place. They really should have been lower. It's, it shows where they've been for so bloody long. Yeah. Just complacent. Yeah. Good enough. And so many people at the club just went, oh, you know. There was a, a comment back when Tim Sheens was coach and a lot of the fans were pissed off because the side got smashed in one game. And there'd been lots of criticism and lots of fans were saying that, you know, they wanted Sheens gone. And he called them so-called fans. Mm-hmm. And this is this this is attitude amongst the club that if you don't support the club and talk positively about them the whole time, then you're not a fan, you're not a supporter, you're a hater. Because mm-hmm. apparently, apparently seeing something that you love get absolutely, have the shit punched out of it every fucking week yeah. is something that you should be happy about. Seeing it succeed and de- demanding changes so that you get to see it be 
successful is apparently the wrong attitude. And that's a mentality that's gone around through the club for as long as I can remember as a as a fan. Yeah. I've never understood it. I've always opposed it. And I'm only now starting to see that's starting to change. Mm-hmm. It's taken 21 years of shit. Well, you know, there was three blips on the radar, but it's basically yeah. 21 years of shit. And, and you know what? It's, it's weird because it's comforting when you see that tide turning amongst the supporter base where, and it starts off as a little grumble and you're like, oh, there are people like me, you know, I'm not alone. And But when it gets to a roar eventually, and, and hopefully that's enough to to bring in those changes where somebody, whoever it is, says, look, enough is enough with this. We're going to do something. Um, and, and it is, it's good to see that because you're right, there's a, there's a thing with some supporter bases too where they'll defend, 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 defend. And you, you've got to drop that. When your club is in that situation, you can't just defend the club. You've got to demand more from it. It's okay to demand more from it. They're professionals. The West Tigers players and their CEO and the coach, they're getting the same amount of money as, you know, all of the other top clubs in the game. They they there's no charity here. There's no charity in rugby league. They don't deserve anything less than, you know, demanding success from them. That's what their entire careers are based upon. Yep. But, you know, this is probably why I study statistics and history, because when my team's playing footy, I can just go do that instead. <laughs> yeah. It's always comforting to look back into the 30s and be like, oh, the good old the days. Good old days. <laughs> 44, what a year. What a vintage. vintage yeah, 40, good old 44. Good year. Maybe that that's what, maybe there should be a group of, of, West Tiger supporters called the 44 who just try and get control of the club. Wouldn't that be great? There we go. I don't think you'd just, find, I don't think uh, you'd find enough. <laughs> there might not be 44 of them. I tell you what, Justin Pascoe needs to resign. Be a man, Justin. Fall on your sword. You've yeah. tried. Even if you, even if you come out and say, look, I tried, I did my best and I can't fix this mess, fair enough. But it's time for Justin Pascoe to go. Yeah, you've had a crack. Your crack was shit. Fuck off. Yes. That's pretty I much think, it. I think that you and me had another topic we were going to talk about on the podcast. I think that this whole podcast should be about the West Tigers because it, it's at that stage with this club. Yeah, and I guess... I guess uh, I really should start talking about other stuff on the podcast every week. No, look, I get it, man, because I, I watch the footy and I'll be thinking, man, you know what, we'll talk about this and this and this, and then I'll watch the West Tigers play, and it's like, oh, my God, we need to debrief. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's nothing short of that it, because it's shocking to watch, like, it, it, and it needs to be talked about. You know, and there's some pretty bad teams in this competition, but the these other teams haven't been terrible for ten years. No, and that's the thing. It's three finals appearances in twenty one seasons. You know, that's 
that's not acceptable. No. And I, I remember saying many, many years ago that I thought that 2005 was a fluke. Mm-hmm. And people argue with me all the time. Mm. And I wonder if those people look back and go, you know what, maybe he was right. Because yeah. we didn't look like making the finals for years after that. I think that I think the thing that when you call a, a especially grand final because a grand final is so difficult to win, when you call a grand final a fluke, I think that some people feel like built into that that word is undeserved. And like if I look at the Panthers two thousand and three premiership, there were a lot of things that come together at the right place at the right time for that to happen. And it, it was very similar with the West Tigers where, you know, it was the, the right coach with the right idea and the right personnel and a couple of superstars turned up as youngsters, one of them a transformative player. And it, it just was the right set of circumstances that come together at the right time. Now, you can call that a fluke, but I do think that some people take fluke as undeserved a little bit. And I, I don't know that that, that is the case, but I can well, see your point of view. I, I can see where it's like, man, this was a, 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 this was a bunch of chaos that in one moment, and it like you think back to that season, it wasn't like they dominated the entire season. No, like it was kind of like, it was kind of like a boiling pot. You know, it it, it was like, oh, you know, they're they're interesting, they're different, and by the end of the season, they're unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, I look, you just look at some bare facts, okay? There were one, two... There were three teams that didn't even make the finals that had better defence than the Tigers. Mm. And, I mean, the Roosters finished ninth. They conceded 90 points less than the Tigers that year. Yeah. It's not like it was a little bit. Um, the Tigers lost 10 games that year out of 24. Mm-hmm. That's That's not dominant. No, no. And yet, yeah. like, once we got to the final series and it was like, look at this bloody team. Well, let's see. What, uh, what's going around, on here? <laughs> around 15, they were sitting in 12th place on the ladder. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just one. God, it might have been eight games in a row. Yeah. And each week, the margin started to get a little bit wider and a little bit wider. And so, oh, hang on, something's going here. And then... Two losses, right? I, remember, I always remember the two losses at the end of the year, and I thought, oh, that's momentum shit. They've they've lost it now. Yeah. But they had a very fortunate run through the finals, taking on teams that had had a few injuries, were a bit out of form, whereas the Cowboys played basically four or five grand finals in a row. Yeah, they did, yeah. And so there, when was I, the, there was a team the Cowboys played, might have been the week before, and it was just like a... An absolute blood and guts game. It might have been the Broncos or someone they played. Well, they they beat Melbourne in round twenty six. Mm-hmm. Then they got belted by the Tigers in the first round of the finals. Yeah, they beat Melbourne again in the semi. Then they that match they played against Parramatta. They beat Parramatta twenty nine nil. Parramatta were one of the favourites for the title that year, alongside the Dragons. Yeah, and. That performance against Parramatta would arguably be one of the best performances of the year. Yeah. Um, and I thought, they are battle-hardened. Yeah, like, yeah. They are ready to just take this thing by the neck and just, it's theirs. Yeah. 
the Tigers are just cruising through, smashing a few teams and didn't have to really do much defending. And I thought they're not prepared whatsoever. And as it turned out, the Cowboys were just absolutely fucking tired by the time the grand final come around. Yeah. The Tigers just ran them ragged. And, the, and the, like, if you look at that Cowboys team, they had a big forward pack. Yeah. And the, the West Tigers had that smaller mobile pack. And, and look, Benji Marshall, you, just, you know, he it, he was like a hand grenade in rugby league at that point where we still weren't sure what we were watching when Benji Marshall was playing in the grand final. We were like, this can't continue. Like, look at him. He, he, he looks like a touch footy player. He's throwing these ridiculous passes. They're not going to stick. You know, this can't, he, he can't keep doing this. It's just all going to fall apart. And look, he's doing it this weekend, you know, for Souths. Um, we didn't know yep. what we were looking at at that point. So, I, look, I can I can see that point of view from you where, you know, the, I look at the Panthers and I, I line them up against the Panthers early 2000s because I, I feel like there's a little bit of a similarity of a club that's not good, all of a sudden has a couple of good years and then it sort of goes really quickly. Um I think that there was a lot more infrastructure and, and balance and depth in that Panthers club. And they only won the one premiership. And I felt like their 2014 might've actually been a better team overall, but the, that West Tigers team, it was like, you know, it come out of nowhere and it kind of disappeared for a little bit, but then come back a little bit more just based on, you know, the legend that is Benji Marshall. And, but they never, they never really capitalised on how good he was. No. Yeah, so the year after the grand final, they finished 11th. And in 2007, they finished 9th. 2008, 10th. 2009, 9th. And each of those seasons where they finished 9th or 10th, they had themselves in a winnable position where they just needed to win, like, two of their last six games or something like that, and they just mm-hmm. choked. They did yeah. it every year. Yeah. 2010, they finished 3rd. 2011, finished 4th. And then 2012, 10th, and haven't had a good season since, really. The, they, 2018, they had 12 wins and 12 losses, and that's the only time they've had a 50% success rate in a season since yeah. making yeah. the finals in 2011. That's just, that's dire. Yeah, it and really is. the club needs to stop looking at themselves as, and thinking, yeah, you know what, well, we're not far away. And so they need to realise that they're a fucking long way away. Yeah, I agree. They're, um, you know, they're at the the very, very furthest you could possibly be, I believe. Because I, I agree with you. You said something earlier. You know, you've got more faith that the Bulldogs will turn it around before the West Tigers, and it's weird to think that because the, the Bulldogs are in a terrible situation themselves. Well, I mean, who would have thought that the Titans, from the misery that they were in for so long, mm that they'd be able to turn it around. But here we are. Yep, yep. They've done it. Even they've managed, with all of the failure that's happened with not just rugby league on the in the Gold Coast at the top level, every sport on the Gold Coast has just been a failure. It's just where sport goes to die. Yeah. And yet, despite that, they've managed to build themselves a team which is, looks like it's going to be competing in for a final spot this year. Yeah, and, like, they're one or two players away from been a scary like they could be good for five to eight years sort of team yeah and he's the tigers with an abs you know 
120 years worth of history in two development areas and they can't they can't build a competitive team come no. on yeah it's not good enough nope so yeah it's time that people who aren't players or head coaches there got replaced before the year is out and then you can start looking at roster changes and coaching changes if that doesn't work if uh if Maguire does get sacked or falls on his sword either either one and and look they make it look one way or the other depending on how they they want to go with it um do you think that the supporter base that will be the final straw no okay. we've seen this shit before yeah I I just have never seen a situation where I felt like you a club has a good coach but he can't fix this. It's a really weird situation and it's something I've I just have never seen and uh, I I don't know what to think of that. Yeah. Yeah, it comes from the fact that throughout most of the nineties, both Balmain and West were largely shit. Yeah. You know, the, the Magpies had, what, two seasons, I think, in there where they made the finals. And that was on the back of having pretty good forward packs. Yeah. And the Tigers did it in 89 and 90. They made the finals in those two years. Um, and that was on the back of, you know, 89. I mean, if they had a Sutter Cup in 89, that Balmain side was over the cap by a fucking long way. Yeah, it's weird. By more than any other club. Yeah, it, I can't. It must be weird for people to, and it must be feel like it's just, you know, when we think of the uh, St. George Drag, the great St. George Dragons teams, like the Balmain Tigers were the team. There was, they were number one. They were like, it was like a team of superstars. And look, they, they didn't win the premiership. It's it's very, very famous situation. Maybe one of the best teams to never win a premiership, but like the, the scenes of like Balmain Leagues Club was the place to be, you know, and and the Balmain Tigers and all this sort of stuff, and um, it's weird that they fell off so quickly. And, and West were different. West were kind of West had been dying for twenty years, but Balmain was different. And I mean that that Balmain side in eighty nine. I mean. Nearly every single player on that side was under the age of 30. Yeah. And you look at the Ford pack. I mean, they had State of Origin player David Brooks at lock. Um, you've got Paul Sirenen and Bruce Maguire, both test players that year mm-hmm. for Australia uh, in the back row. Steve Roach, front rower, test player as well. Um, Benny Elias at, at hooker, played for Australia either side of that year. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Pierce as well in the side, former Test player at that stage. Then you throw in the fact that um, Gary Jack was the world's best player the year before, I think it was, or two years before at fullback. Russell Gartner, former Test player. Um, Andy Courier, he wasn't that great, but he played Test footy for England that year at centre. Sean Edwards, um, he was at he was only twenty two then and at the peak of his career. That's crazy. Gary Freeman, Kiwi Kiwi halfback. Um, they're just the people who played pretty much test footy. Then you look at the guys who would go on to become test stars like Tim Brasher. 
you know, it's crazy to think. You know, James Grant had come to the club. He'd played for rugby union tests for the Wallabies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nuts that they had such an immensely brilliant side and even they couldn't build on that. And none of those guys were 30 at the time. Even Wayne Pierce in 1989 was only 29 years old. Yeah. And they couldn't build on that. No, it was two years later they were out of the finals and being coached by a moron. <laughs> it, it, but it sorry, is. It's, sorry, morons being nice. Yeah. It's, it is Go strange. And, like, spent the rest of the 90s being... Uh, In the wilderness. A, yeah, tra- like a, almost a tragic story sort of thing. It wasn't until Wayne Pierce became coach in 94, and they did win the spoon in 94, but from there up... He's the only coach I can think of that the Tigers had, and I'm talking about Balmain Tigers, yeah. who tried to build a junior pathways to get young players from the lower grades into the top side. Yeah. And while Balmain didn't make the finals under his um, time there, they had become quite a strong defensive side. And teams struggled to score points against them, but they'd, they'd scored just enough to beat them. Yeah. It's a frustrating thing, but at the same time, you'd... You'd see these teams, like, I remember in 97, they climb up against Manly and the Knights, and you're just expecting them to put cricket scores on the Tigers. Yeah. And every time, it was like 16-14 or 14-12 or something like that, and you're like, Fuck, they're, just, they're just like one or two X-Factor type players away from being good enough to make the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, the, I think the thing that also hurt them is that that was during the Super League War period, and so... At that time, like somebody coming in and saying, listen, I, I want to work on our junior development pathways. They were probably said, told, yeah, yeah, we've just got to sort out these million other things first. Like every, every single club's junior development was the very last thing they wanted to talk about at that time because yeah. there's so much going on. I think too, there's so many of the Tigers players in that in that '89 side all retired within about two years of each other. Yeah, and they just didn't have, you know, if they had have had a good coach come in directly after Warren Ryan's period instead of that pot plant that came in, um, then they would have been able to get that that next group of players to come through and learn from those fucking world class players for two years. And be ready and raring to go yeah. when they all retired. But that just didn't happen. He brought along some Muppets from Rugby Union and, I don't know, you just fringe players from elsewhere. And it's kind of where the club stopped looking back with, you know, looking within. They started looking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the the failed venture to get Mark Guy across. Uh, I love watching Mark Guy as a player, but that move to the West Tigers was just diabolical. And I dare say he'd probably even agree. Yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure when he's talked about it, um, he's he said like it was the, just all round a disaster. It come from a good place, but was just uh, just bad for everyone. Yeah, I mean he left Penrith for obvious reasons because the uh, death of Ben Alexander, and so yeah. for him he needed to get away from that place for a little while just to get his head in the right spot. And I think yeah. the smartest move for him would have been to just not play football for a year and then go back to Penrith a year or two later. Yeah, he that, went into this wilderness thing, wandering around between the Tigers, and then he had dramas there. Then yeah. got picked up by the Western Reds, which wasn't too bad of an idea, but you know had a few disciplinary issues over there, and then came back yeah. to Penrith and was fine again. 
<clears throat> yeah, and like I think that uh, I've heard him talk about that his time at Perth, and I think that that was really good for him just as a person. It sounds like, um, you know, and, and it, once again, it was a weird situation, Super League war and everything's chaotic at that time in rugby league. And yeah, once he come back to to Penrith, it was like uh, it was cathartic for him. You could you could tell that just by watching him on the footy field. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a weird situation at the Tigers, and you know, a weird situation leading up to the the formation of the joint venture. Um, you know, when they come together. There was a lot of scepticism about how good they'd be and, and whether it was the right sort of joint venture. Um, they, You know, even early on, they had some really solid players. They had some real clubmen. And I think that that's one of the things that they were lucky with, that they, you know, the, the St. George War Dragons, when they come together, it was more about stars all coming together on the same team. The West Tigers had to try and build a club and I think they lucked out that they had some personalities. And the main one I'm thinking is, is Darren Center, where you could say this is a guy that you can actually build a club around. Not so much win, and I'm not saying he was a bad player. He was a very good player, but he was a clubman that could build a, you know, a just the right environment for a team to move forward. Yeah, one of those sort of players you, you look at as being, you know, a heart and soul player for your club. Yeah. Yeah, who yeah. can build a culture around? Yeah, no, they've they've been clueless for ages. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> well, it's, it's not all it's not all shit sandwiches. No, because okay, in the New South Wales Cup, which is the reserve group competition, yeah, Penrith undefeated there. Yeah, uh, one hundred seventy five points four against sixty two. Their defense is insane. That's crazy. Second place, Western Suburbs Magpies. Oh, that's awesome. So it's something that I'm finding is getting, being brought up an awful lot in press conferences. Yeah. Mostly by one or two guys from the commentary team in Fox Sports. Yeah. And that is, your New South Wales Cup team's going pretty well. Are you going to bring any of those guys in? And Match mm-hmm. goes, yeah, I've definitely got my eye on it. Yeah, yeah. So... Maybe it's time to just go, you know, fuck it. Let's just not care about the result one week and bring up a few of these guys, yeah. um, like a chunk of them, and just say, yeah. right, I'm going to put four or five of them into the NRL side and sink or swim. Yeah, because you would rather get flogged with a bunch of youngsters and, and know what you've got from those players and give them a bit of experience and that than get flogged with a bunch of veterans who aren't going to be there anyway in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Especially guys who want to be in that jumper. That's the yeah. one thing you want to see. Yeah. You know, it's okay to get beaten if you're lacking in skill, but it's it's not okay to get beaten if you're lacking in effort. Mm-hmm. 100%. So that's something that could happen. That would be good to see. Yeah, fingers crossed. And, and, you know, they need to open up them doors to that pathway. All of those players in their junior development areas need to know that that everything leads to being a West Tigers first grade player if they're good enough, and they can start that right now. Yep, that'd be good. So yeah, that's something to work towards. So that's the West Tigers as we stand. Yeah, our most miserable episode ever. It 
possibly could be. I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm very sorry that you it, that the club's in this situation because yeah. you, you don't know, need to be sorry, man. I'm used to this shit. It's fine. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, I look at everything they've got, and they should be an absolute juggernaut. Like, this is a club that has the potential to look at a team like the Parramatta Eels and just dwarf it. You know, in terms of the supporter base, the junior base, so many things. They should be looking at a lot of these Sydney teams and just saying, we are so much bigger than you. And that's that's the goal. That's the aim. That's And, and it's the complete opposite at the moment. And it, it needs changed. And I hope that that change happens. I, I hope it happens immediately. I would love to wake up tomorrow morning and hear that the West Tigers had called a press conference and they're getting rid of the CEO. You know, a couple of board members have stood down. Things like that. It would it would be good for rugby league. As a rugby league fan, it would be good for rugby league overall. It would. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I think Madge is gone. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. He's gone. He's got the full support of the board now, so he's gone. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> righty. Well. Is that it for this episode, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, let's wrap this one up. I think that this needs to be its own thing. Yeah, we'll put this one to bed. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, MySpace, Instagram. I think I already said that one. Um, so check us out on those. Subscribe, like, thumbs up, all that sort of gear. That's fantastic. Um, make sure you give us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast listening app. And we'll read that out on the podcast. We'll put it up on the website, Freaky. Yeah, yeah. We add all of them on the website, which is com. You can go there. If you want to send us an email about anything we've talked about today or anything that's on your mind about rugby league, go to the contact section and send us an email from there. That's the only way you can contact us on the podcast. Um, and, and we'll read out your emails. Sweet. And uh, that's pretty much this one done. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.